Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast that rocks. Weekly podcast that talks about rock, metal, alternative, indie, and everything in between, along with the current events that go on in those subgenres and everything else in our world. Going to be flying solo for this one, and I'm kind of glad because there have been some interesting things that have gone on <laughs> this past week on the music side. And I want to say that because some musicians have been chiming in on some of the very unfortunate and very crazy political events that have happened in the United States over the past week. This past week has been one of the worst weeks for America in a long time with tragedy after tragedy, just conspiracy theories, death, political scandal, everything you can think of. Well, I for one am always of the idea that musicians should voice their political stance. They are citizens of the same country we are. They have a platform, and if they want to voice their opinion, they should. Anyone that says, Ugh, don't talk about politics, just shut up and sing. No, that's a terrible notion. Get out of here. You're just upset that you can't voice your opinion and have it heard by millions. These musicians, these singers, guitar players, drummers, writers, everyone, they should be able to voice their opinion just as much as anyone else. And because they have a following, the even better. Let them say what they want. You might inspire someone else. You might educate someone else. Well, education has always been a problem for Kid Rock. <laughs> I don't know how else to really get into it that way. I'm not a fan of Kid Rock. I haven't been for a while. A couple years ago, I did a Regretting the Past episode on Kid Rock as a Patreon goal. I regret doing that one just because at that time, the beginning of the year, I was in a bad place. I was studying to get certified for the day job, just for certain certifications to help bump up the resume, all while listening to Kid Rock over and over to make a video. My, my brain was just fried, and I could not really work that way. So when all this came back up with Kid Rock always voicing his political ideology and things like that, which is fine, except Kid Rock does it in a very vulgar and perverse way. He is very right. Not only is he right-wing, but he's very pro-Trump. You could talk about how much of a phony he is, and he definitely is, waving that Confederate flag, even though he's from Michigan, using other people's samples to make his own music and badly rhyme on top of that. Whatever. However, he has a following. Let him say his piece. Let him talk about what he wants if he knows about politics. He was trying to run for a political office for a while. Gee, that didn't work out too well. What a shock. But again, besides the point. This past week, um, he's decided to go after another musician and quite opposite of the spectrum on that. Taylor Swift, who about a year ago finally broke her silence on the political field and said she was supporting someone in her home state on the Democratic side and against someone from the Republican side running for that same office. Well, that, of course, is going to send shockwaves because, one, Taylor Swift breaking silence is always going to make news on anything. Two, uh, political scandals and everything in America are huge. I shouldn't say scandals. Voicing your political opinion and saying which side you're on is always going to break news for any musician, especially the bigger you are. And Taylor Swift is at the tippy top for a lot of different genres and a lot of the world. There's no denying that. And finally, Taylor Swift has a massive and determined and diehard fan base. Go on Twitter and just look at all the Swifties. You'll find them. See, what bothers me though, and I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, I don't have any of her music. I know I'm in the minority on that. But at the same time, I have never once thought Taylor Swift was bad. 
She sings, she writes her own music, she plays her own instruments, she is a business mogul, she's intelligent, and she's extremely hardworking. I'm not a diehard fan, but I know those things about her, and I respect that to death. Kid Rock could not write one song to even compare to what Taylor Swift can do. They are so far apart on the talent ladder that Kid Rock can't even get on the ladder when Taylor Swift is on it. She is that high up. Kid Rock cannot even get attention for his actual music anymore. He has to go into the political side of things in order to get attention. It's the, o- the only people that are going to his concerts, and there are a lot of people, they still sell tickets for him, are the ones that just want cheap beer. They just want to sing the songs that made him famous. The bad twangy rock songs. Hick hop. And just the cross between butt rock and I don't even know. And my thoughts are so scattered. And I know that because whenever I start talking about Kid Rock and how much of a phony and a hack fraud he is, it kind of upsets me. Because he's not a real person. He's not a sincere human being. He does things for attention and he just loves to push buttons. He just wants that overall just appeal he just wants to say what he wants and like come off as i'm a real person i'm one of you no he is not he is a fake he grew up in a pretty good circumstances despite what people want to tell you that he was raised in south detroit no 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 he was really well off he used to have his dad come pick him up for orthodontics appointments and things like that that should tell you that he was doing okay so when kid rock the fake goes on twitter and starts attacking taylor swift Because Taylor's now getting in movies, and Kid Rock's only real movie fame was in Joe Dirt. I'm willing to bet that hit a soft spot for him. Kid Rock's movie career didn't really do as well as he had hoped. He was in a Happy Madison film where he virtually played himself. A dirty, ugly car driving, unwashed creep that hits on someone else's woman. Yeah, that sounds like Kid Rock to me. And... It's just so random because now that Taylor Swift is going to be successful in movies, there's no way that he that she is not going to be successful. There's no way this Cats movie, no matter what you think about that, not crazy about that film, but I know it's going to be successful and I know Taylor Swift is going to excel in it. Taylor Swift's not going to be done with acting after this. She's going to have scripts delivered to her door. Meanwhile, Kid Rock's going to be just sitting at home. I don't even know what he is, drinking his own cheap beer. Trying to figure out what songs he can rip off next. Trying to plan out a tour. Hoping that he can keep those ticket prices cheap and the beer cheap that he brags about to get more people in. By the way, the reason why he keeps those tickets cheap and all that beer cheap at his shows isn't because he wants to make sure people can get in. It's because he wants to make sure people come. He wants to make sure that beer's cheap so that they're so hammered they can't realize how bad of a musician he is, how terrible his music is, how he's not a good performer, how he's the equivalent of just one of those obnoxious kids at a talent show. He is not a singer. He's not a rapper. He's not a country singer. Sweet mercy, no. Anyway, that's enough rambling about Kid Rock. So here's what he said, or enough rambling about Kid Rock and what he's done in the past. Kid Rock decided to make a shot at Taylor Swift on Twitter, and it's still posted. And I'm going to try to link to this on GetRock.net, as so long as he doesn't take it down. I should probably take a screenshot of it now. The tweet reads, Taylor Swift wants to be a Democrat because she wants to be in movies. Period. And it looks like she will suck the doorknob off Hollyweird to get there. Oldest move in the book. Good luck, girl. Signed, Kid Rock. 
Kid Rock is such a hack fraud that, of course, he's going to be bitter about this. When he started selling all his pro-Trump merchandise, and it sold, it totally did, he didn't get the attention for that as his music does. Or his music didn't get the attention for that. That's the only bit of real attention and money he was making from that in quite a while. And now that that's calmed down, now that he got his picture taken at the Oval Office, he's got to do something. He's got to go after the extreme opposite. Go for Taylor Swift. Because now Taylor Swift's going to get in all those movies. She's going to be making more money than she knows what to do with. And she already has that. And the thing is, Taylor Swift now has so much music out there that is cherished and praised. Kid Rock's music has aged like milk. It's awful. There is not one redeeming aspect of Kid Rock's music anymore. It's terrible. Even the stuff that's come out after Devil Without a Cause, which is one of the best-selling albums in American history, but it's also one of the most regrettable. Even the stuff he did after that, where he started like to focus a little more and try to work with other people, it's still not good. There's nothing special about it. Taylor Swift can make something instantly classic for a lot of people, and she's not going anywhere. All I can say is why Kid Rock is trying to do this against Taylor Swift is for attention. There's no doubt in my mind because he hasn't done this and gone after other people that are on the Democratic side that are musicians and artists and things like that. Now she's getting into big movies. Yes, Cats is going to do a little bit better than Joe Dirt did in the movie theaters. And Joe Dirt was fine. It was just a dumb comedy. But you know what? It was fine. It had its charm. Not because of Kid Rock, though. He was just there. That role could have been played by anyone. Taylor Swift, she's going to be rolling in it with that Cats movie. Just because. And she's going to get so many more offers. I mean, we talk about Lady Gaga branching out from singing to getting an Academy Award. Taylor Swift's going to... I'm not saying Taylor Swift will ever get an Academy Award. I haven't seen her acting. But she's going to get in those big movies, though, like um, Lady Gaga's now being in. And it's just going to keep excelling from there. Kid Rock is never going to get those opportunities anymore. People know what a fraud he is. People know how polarizing he is. People know he sucks. He said to Taylor Swift that it looks like she will suck the doorknob off Hollyweird to get there, being in movies. Kid Rock, if anyone knows how to suck, it's you. You've been doing it for decades. Ever since the early 90s, when you tried to break free or break into the business and your albums couldn't even sell if you gave a free car wash with it, didn't matter. When you finally got all that attention at the right time, when MTV and TRL started playing you, when Carson Daly, for some reason, gave his blessing, yeah, you were an icon at that time. Because you were a character, not because you were a musician. Kid Rock is literally a detriment to everything rock. And he is such a regrettable figure that I'm surprised more people don't talk about him in that aspect. He has a tour coming up later this year. I'm sure it'll sell. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of angry rednecks that treat him like one of their own, treat him like a southern boy, even though he's not from the south, treat him like one of their own, even though he's not. He's a fraud. He is such a manipulative character of just someone that controls his persona to the public, when in reality, he doesn't act like that at all. He is not a real person. He is not down to earth. He uses all of his fans and he'll keep doing it. He'll keep singing those hits. He'll keep singing Cowboy over and over again live just to get drunk people to sing along and hope that someone buys his bad Trump merchandise because let's face it, that's all he has now. 
Kid Rock, and to everyone that's going to say it, Kid Rock's more successful than you, absolutely. He totally is. He has no integrity, though. I mean, I would rather have a moderate life and be comfortable than completely sell out over and over again, use other people's work in music just to help boist my own creativity, and then not even give credit to that. Taylor Swift actually is a musician and an artist. Kid Rock isn't. He's a hack. And I say, I'll say it again. If anyone knows how to suck, it's Kid Rock. Talking about all that mess and political musicians, Kid Rock voices his opinion how Trump is the man. Well, Trump has his own world of problems right now, but hey, if you follow Trump and that's your thing, you have the right to. Someone who's not a fan of Donald Trump, Tommy Lee. He also voiced his opinion this past week. His was a lot angrier than people really <laughs> may be aware of if you haven't seen it yet. So Tommy Lee went online and posted a picture of text. He wrote out a big, long rant. And because it was so much text, he couldn't actually tweet it out. So he just tweeted out a picture of like a document or a notepad script. I can't even begin to describe the wrath that was probably from his voice and how he was probably laughing too. But man, um, this is a rant. I'm going to read most of it. Not all of it because it's way too vulgar. But I will post a picture. I will post the tweet on GetRock.net along with this video in case you're watching it there. If you want to check it out. I quote from Tommy Lee this past week who wrote on August 7th at 3.32 p.m. You Trumpsters better pray that liberals never gain control of the White House again because we are going to pay you back so hard for all of this. Planned Parenthood's on every corner. We're going to repaint Air Force One pink and fly it over your beloved Bible Belt six days a week, tossing birth control pills, condoms, and atheist literature from the cockpit. We're going to tax your megachurches so bad, Joel Olstein will need to get a job at Chick-fil-A to pay his light bill. Speaking of Chick-fil-A, we're buying all those and giving them to any LGBTQ person you sick cult leaders tortured with conversion therapy. Have fun with the new menu, you bigots. I really am censoring a lot of this, by the way. Try the McPence. It's a boiled, unseasoned chicken breast that you have to eat in the closet with your mother. We're going to gather up all of your guns, melt them down, and turn them into gargantuan metal mountains emblazoned with the face of Hillary Clinton. All parks will be renamed after Rosa Parks, ASAP. We're replacing Confederate statues with BLM leaders and Mexican immigrants. Every single public school will be renamed after a child that was kidnapped by this regime. And after we fumigate the White House, we're repainting the whole thing rainbow. Fox News will be taken over and turned into a family refugee shelter. We're turning Hannity's office into a giant unisex bathroom with changing tables and free tampons. And every single time a Trumpster complains about any of the changes, we're adding an openly gay character to a Disney movie. Tommy Lee covered all the bases here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I stuttered a lot in reading that. I'm going to have to chop this up a little bit because it's I highly censored a lot of his verbiage but boy oh boy did this get some traction <laughs> everyone had something to say and there were people commenting from the right side of the fence going uh tommy lee's such a disgrace you go ahead and keep some trash like that <laughs> guys it was first of all it was really funny second of all a lot of this is very factual third tommy lee doesn't care he doesn't care what you think <laughs> And there were so many people commenting on this. One of them, um, I'm not going to even read the person's name, who's a very uh, right-wing extremist. 
was talking and bringing up Kid Rock, his tweet was, the left can keep some hack like Tommy Lee. We get Kid Rock. My response, sweet mercy, you can have him. Why would we want that? Even if Tommy Lee wasn't on the left side, we still wouldn't want Kid Rock. <laughs> uh, this made quite a few news like news headlines. So many things were just blowing up because of this. Man, I think this was probably the little highlight after the terrible week America had. And Tommy Lee on the music side of things is on the far opposite of Kid Rock. I'd love to see Kid Rock go after Tommy Lee. That'd be a totally different debate than going after Taylor Swift. Because Tommy Lee will not stand up for that. And there will be many big name musicians coming to the defense of Tommy Lee. Um, I'm not going to get in too much in the actual political side of breaking it down bit by bit that every topic that he covered in that big long rant. But again, if you have a political opinion, you can voice it. I don't care what your status is, what you've been a part of in the past, what you're going to be a part of. You have a right to talk. Don't ever be afraid to say how you feel and what you think. Of course there's going to be trolls. Of course there's going to be people that just want to debate and get in your face about something and how you feel. Okay, and? You support what you think. Musicians are now stepping up a little more because of this, too. The internet is a dumpster fire. However, it does make it able to have people voice their opinions and have them seem instantly and by many. So why not? I don't know. I do like the idea of all the Chick-fil-A's being given out to LGBTQ people that were tortured and have the McPence as a chicken item. I would need it, but you know, I think Chick-fil-A would have to call it a day after that. By the way, I'm a big Zaxby's, Zaxby's fan. That's also in the South. Zaxby's over Chick-fil-A any day. I know people love Chick-fil-A. Guys, try Zaxby's. That's way better. So now that the political shenanigans are out of the way, let's talk a little bit more about music itself. I know that was a lot to get through. I'm sorry, but some of those were actually worth pointing out. Some things do happen, and I had to discuss it a little bit. Fear Inoculum, the song, finally released. That was the first new song we've had in roughly 13 years from Tool. It really shot up fast. I mean, when people saw it, it was finally released and it was gotten announced that it was going to be released last week. I think the internet all had to take a 10 minute break to listen to it. It just everyone in their lives had to like actually sit down, take lunch early, um, call in for a little bit, say you're going to be late. Everyone had to hear it. My take on the song. I like it. I really like it. I don't think it's the best, but I like it. It's exactly what I thought it would be for and to encompass the idea of Fear Inoculum. As soon as I heard, started hearing the new music live, like Invincible and the other song at Welcome to Rockville and in St. Louis, I had the feeling that this album was going to be a long jam session. Just nothing but nonstop 10-minute tracks. Turns out I was dead right. When you look at the track times for each of these songs, over 80 minutes... And 10 minutes is going to be not only the par that might be on the low side of track length. That's huge. Fear Inoculum, the title track, it takes a while to get into, though. The first two minutes is just ambience. And not even so much buildup, it's just setting the mood. That's a long time to set a mood. And this is coming from a fan of the Mars Volta, who used to have criminally long songs and would do stuff like that, too. Tool can do it. They've proven they can. Having two minutes in the beginning of the track for the first song you've heard in 13 years is a lot to take in. That can be kind of daunting. 
I still like the song though. I think the bass from Justin is fantastic. I think Maynard sounds good. It's It takes a few listens to get into and having a few listens at a 10 plus minute song, that's a lot. Skip the first two minutes if you haven't heard it yet. I can't stress that enough. Save yourself the time because it probably won't add to your experience, especially if it's the first time you're listening to it. I like it though. I'm very excited for the new album. As many people are. I think a lot of people are going to be impressed. I think people are going to debate back and forth. I think expectations are at its peak because we know music's coming and we've been waiting this long. And we know Tool aren't going to fall flat on their face. There's going to be a lot of disappointment from people. There's going to be a lot of fans complaining about how it wasn't good enough. That's just jaded fans sometimes. That's how it is. I don't know if this is going to be Tool's best album. I probably won't be, in my opinion. I don't, in my eyes, nothing beats Lateralis. However, doesn't mean it still can't be an awesome album. Doesn't mean it can't be great, even. I want to know what they have in store for a complete long album over 80 minutes. That's huge. On a side note, pre-orders are up for Tool's new album, and their special edition is bonkers. Tool have won a Grammy before for best CD packaging, I think for 10,000 days. This one's probably going to win that too if they still offer that Grammy in the 16,000 Grammy Awards they they give out every year. The special edition they're selling on Amazon from Tool is literally a CD package where the case has a rechargeable LED screen with two small speakers. And the screen has a little memory in it, or a little memory card, a little hard drive in it, that is made for a video just for the music. And you can recharge the screen and listen to it whatever you want. That is insane. That's uh, They've kept it... It's an expensive CD package. I think it's like $45 to pre-order. But in hindsight, nothing like that's really been done before that I've seen. And that's not terrible for a rechargeable LED screen filled with video that's made just for the album. That's unique. That's a collector's item instantly just because of the idea of it. And so, I mean, Tool's coming out swinging. They've lived up to their expectations of delivering this year. We all heard 2018, 2019. It's 2019 when they posted August 30th at that one concert on their tour this spring. They've held up to the date. So I think with bated breath, we're all waiting for a few weeks from now, the end of August, when we finally hear what else is on the album besides that title track. From what I've heard from the live music and to the title track, yeah, it's going to be a big, long jam album. Just not constant, non-stop ambience and just mood-setting music. It'll be heavy at times. It'll be very melodic at times. Maynard is probably going to do a lot more scre- singing than screaming just because as he's gotten older, he hasn't been able to really unleash and like let his voice go that way. But I'm still willing to bet he'll get loud every now and then. I just want it to be good and worth the wait. It doesn't have to be the best thing Tool's ever done. It just has to be something new and something worth hearing. That's where I'm at right now. For all of you that are listening, what did you think of Fear Inoculum, the title track? I'm going to link to it in the YouTube cards. If you're watching this on the actual website, I'll have the link below too. To listen to it, it'll be in in the YouTube comments. Tell me what you think. Because this is a song that a lot of people have heard already pretty much the first day. Now that it's been a few days, I want to hear what people have to say after it's said in a little bit. 
tool back? Are they going to come out swinging? Do you think this is not going to be what you expected? Do you think this is going to be better than what you expected? Let me know what you think about it, because Tool's finally back, and now's the time to talk about it. And speaking of new music, Slipknot's sixth full album finally came out, and the overall consensus is that people love it. I've seen a little bit of argument. I've seen people saying they don't like it as much. They think it's not nearly what they had in the early 2000s, not as heavy throughout. Okay, that's fair opinions. If you don't like it, that's fine. Or if you don't think it's as good, that's fine. I don't think I've heard anyone say this is the worst thing they've ever heard. I haven't seen anyone say Slipknot's lost it. In my opinion, this is one of the best albums of 2019. It is exactly what they described as a complete album. And we have needed that for music and rock and metal for a long time now, for years. That is becoming a thing of the past where bands make a complete album front to back, don't just have it filled to the brim with filler like a hot dog or something from Oscar Mayer, and actually give a complete listening experience. Even with the interludes on We Are Not Your Kind, I feel they add to the music. I think there are so many songs to pick and choose from individually that it's amazing, like Critical Darling and Orphan and Red Flag and Nero Forte, along with the singles like Unsainted and uh, Solway Firth, which is still fantastic no matter how many times I hear it. I, there's so much to really take from this. And I think that's what people are kind of overlooking. This album was meant to be an album, and that's what I love about it. I'm still an album guy. I want to get my money's worth when I buy a CD or buy a vinyl, now that I'm actually starting to buy vinyl. I want to know that the band is worth more than two or three songs to get big and blow up, and the rest is stuff that I'll never want to listen to. And Slipknot does that. They've continued to do that. This album, I put higher than The Grey Chapter. I put it higher than All Hope Is Gone. I put it on par with Volume 3 and Iowa and the original uh, the self-title. I think Slipknot here, through all their trials, all the triumphs, all the terrible things and great things that have happened to the band members over the past few years, they still proved they know how to make music. They know how to give their fans what they want while exciting people that aren't as familiar with Slipknot and giving them something to hop onto. Another, and another stop on the bandwagon tour to help them jump on it. And one thing I want to point out, the hype for Slipknot, the promotion machine, was perfect. They did every single thing right from a business stance, a marketing standpoint, everything. Look at Knotfest Roadshow. It's only been a few stops on the tour and they are already doing great with that. All the different appearances that Slipknot made on Late Night, like with Jimmy Kimmel. All of the different things for NXT. They just had NXT TakeOver this weekend. It's SummerSlam weekend for WWE. And Unsainted was the theme for NXT Toronto, which was an amazing show. And they played Slipknot constantly throughout it. They opened the show with the song Unsainted. They've done so many amazing things. They did the right interviews with outlets. They've done the right press. They've made sure the album gets posted the right way. They did a bit with Amazon and Alexa, where three of the band members are about to destroy an Amazon Echo if it doesn't play one of the Slipknot songs. It's genius. I love that. They did every single thing right. That's what like PR and labels dream of. And it's from a band that people still want to see. And it's for an album that people are latching onto. It's number one on iTunes right now. I'm hoping it does make number one's album sale on Billboard. I want that to happen for a metal album. Because I got a feeling it'll happen for Tool. Could, maybe it won't. I don't know. 
but I have, a, I'm hoping it does for Slipknot because I know a lot of people actually did do the pre-orders. And I know if you buy two tickets for the Knotfest Roadshow, you get a free album download with it. And if you actually download it, that counts as an album sale. So everything's in place. Everything's done right. And I just can't credit that band enough for nailing it. If it was the label, if it was Roadrunner Electra, if it was just Slipknot themselves having the think the think tank and getting it together and think of all the ideas they could do. I know WWE stepped in and started working with that. I know Triple H has been really supportive of Slipknot and doing all the stuff with NXT. Corey Taylor and Adam Adam Cole doing pictures and stuff together. It's awesome. They just hype everything so perfectly. So I ask the question to you. If you've seen my review of it, you already know what I think. Um, I'll link that to that also. I'll link to the album review I did for Slipknot, and I'll post some of the music videos for the album along with this video. What do you think of We Are Not Your Kind if you've heard it in full? Have you had a few days with it? What songs do you love on it? What songs do you not care about? Do you think this works as a complete album? Do you think Slipknot still has it? Do you think this is a shell of what they used to be? Do you think they're still evolving and creating something positive? Let me know what you have to say. I want to know opinions on this on a new, on a different format where you can actually respond and type. So the Knot's back and they're roaring. They're going to be doing festival appearances this fall. They're going to be headlining Louder Than Life and Aftershock. They're going overseas. They've been doing stuff with Metallica. They have other crazy stuff coming up. And I would not be surprised if they start headlining festivals this upcoming May when the World's Loudest Month takes place. Or at least I hope so. That I have no idea about if they will or not, but I hope so. Knots back, and they killed it in 2019. Just my opinion. What do you think? To change gears again, I want to talk about something that kind of just inspired to this afternoon. I was driving home from church, and I heard Days of the New on the local radio. I love Days of the New. They're one of my favorite bands ever. I did an all-time favorite video years ago on their first self-titled album, the Yellow Album. And when I say they, I mean Travis Meeks, the mind behind Days of the New. It's a shame what happened to the band and that man. That is probably one of the most talented musicians I've ever heard, both as a singer, with his just a raw voice, and as a guitarist. Even as a writer, just a music writer. And he just could not get his act together. He had too many chances. Part of the, part of the reason this is going to be the little history lesson for Days of the New was when that Yellow album came out, it blew up. Touch, Peel, and Stand was everywhere. Went to number one. Constant radio play got the attention of big names. And people don't realize Travis Weeks was only 18. He recorded that album when he was 17. Think about how young that was. When you were in high school, do you think you could record something that heavy and that impressive when you were a junior or senior? Who can? He had band members with him, Jesse, Matt, and Todd, who were three years older than him, who were already more in the side of that for music, on the music side and working with him. They made such a smash success so fast that it would be too much for anyone at that age. They were going to start opening for Metallica and Jerry Cantrell on tour in the, early, in the late 90s, excuse me. And what happened? Everything blew up. It just got to Travis's head. Too many arguments backstage, too much of an attitude, and there's always been debate whether he fired, quote-unquote, the three members in the band or if they left on their own volition. There's been interviews back and forth. Travis Meeks himself has flip-flopped on whatever that, what has happened with that. Regardless, though, he started hitting drugs. 
Really bad, too. Not talking the light stuff, either. I'm talking meth. And as years went on, he actually released the Green Album. I love the Green Album. It's not perfect. It's not as strong as Yellow, but still, it's great. Fun fact, Nicole Schrezinger, I can never pronounce her name, Pussycat Dolls, that was her first singing album ever, the first album she ever made an appearance on. And her voice is great in it, too. And the Green Album had success. Days of the New continued touring, having big tours throughout the late 90s and early 2000s. More drugs. More unchecked behavior. And it just didn't stop. Red Album came out. It was okay. There's some decent songs on there. It was more radio-friendly, as Travis admitted. And it did not sell nearly as well as the other two. And that was kind of the last big release from Days of the New. That was the start of the downfall. He was featured on A&E's Intervention in 2005. And that was an, just a sad episode. You hear him playing the acoustic guitar and singing the song Dope Road, which was never truly released. There have been, like, he recorded it and it's been posted online, but it's never been really been sold as an actual song. It's amazing. And it kind of sucks because now in 2019, as of 2019, Travis has been in and out of jail. He's still promising the Purple album, and it's never going to come because he's been promising that for over a decade now. People complain about Tool and when's new music's going to come. I think it's because Tool just had a standard and had other projects going on and things like that. We all knew Tool would eventually do it. We just got fed up with waiting. With Days of the New, we're just kind of fed along, baited, hoping Travis gets better, hoping things can change, hoping he releases the music he wrote years ago, and it's never going to happen. And that sucks. Days of the New is a band that should be celebrated for their music and not the behavior of one person. And I am of the mindset that people deserve second chances, but you can be given too many chances. And I think Travis was given way too many chances, both by his fans, by the music industry, by other musicians to work with him, and by the law. <laughs> let's, let's be honest about that, too. I know Travis has a lot of conditions and certain, like, he's talked about disorders that he has and things like that. That's awful. But it still can't excuse bad behavior, which is unfortunate to say. But when you lie to your fans and when you keep promising things you can't live up to, then you can't expect people to stick with you. And that's what burns the most. Days of the New is one of my favorite stories and bands that I've listened to every deep cut, looked up information about Travis Meeks growing up and things like that. And it really is one of the best stories of Wasted Potential. Because he had success. He had it. Early. If he would have stayed clean and if he would have like had a better, like didn't have the attitude outbreaks and onstage meltdowns, backstage stuff, think of all the things he could have created by now. Stay clean, everyone. Keep realizing there's like once you go down a certain road there, it's really hard to get back and you're you could lose a lot more than you'll ever gain. Another thing I want to talk about is Kill Switch Engage's new album, Atonement, comes out this upcoming Friday. And Killswitch Engage is a band who has stood the test of time through a lot of adversity and change. I talk about it in my album review that I'll be posting on Friday. As a quick spoiler, I like the album. It's solid. And man, when you think about Killswitch Engage and all they've been through, going from Jesse to Howard back to Jesse, and just the most recent stuff over the past two years with Jesse needing vocal cord surgery, and then coming back and still recording an, a strong album, man, they've seen it. 
they've stood the test of time though their fan base has been solid and devoted to that band i think because the band themselves are not typical usually when a band member leaves that's it but now in 2019 howard jones has his own band light the torch and you hear him singing on the kill switch engage album with jesse leach the signal fire is the name of the song and it's great light the torch and kill switch engage are a family it think of them as like bro- brothers and that's awesome. We don't hear that anymore. Usually when one band member leaves a band and does his own thing, it usually either ends up very toxic and chaotic or one band excels while the other just falls by the wayside. One that I remember is when Joey Jordanson was out of Slipknot. Um, however, you want what story you want to take about how he left. I've seen many reports about that too. When he made Vimic, Vimic tried... <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I know this is mean to say. Vimic is one of the worst bands I've seen live. Ever. I mean, it was terrible. And Troy Jordanson's a talented drummer. So, you know, something's wrong when I think that. When I think this is one of the worst bands live when you know there's talent in the band. However, going back to Killswitch, Killswitch has proven their shows are fun. Their music is supposed to get you amped up and energetic and to scream along with, you know, and uh, air guitar with. When you go see their live shows, it's a blast. You're having a fun time watching Adam drink a beer on stage while he plays guitar one hand. It's just fun stuff like that. And it's so cool to hear Light the Torch and Howard work with Killswitch still. That's something that needs to be celebrated and pointed out more because that's just great. I'm going to post a link to a couple of the new songs from Atonement because the review's not out yet. But I want curious what you think they're doing in 2019. I give my opinion in the album review that will be posted on Friday about I Am Broken 2 and Unleashed. However, I want to hear what you have to say. What do you think about Killswitch? They just went on tour with um, Clutch, which is a fun concert lineup. And I know they're going to be doing more touring too with this new album coming out. So what do you think? What do you think about Killswitch Engage in 2019? With Jesse as the vocalist, do you prefer Howard as the vocalist? Do you prefer their newer stuff? Or do you really only listen to back in the day, like the late 2000s and things like that? And to wrap things up, here's what's coming up on Rocked. I know I already talked about Tool. There'll be an album review for Fear Inoculum, posting a review for Atonement by Killswitch Engage for the rest of the month. Doing a live stream Q&A, which will be fun. That'll just be for open for the public if you're listening to this. On this upcoming Wednesday of the 14th, it should be about an hour, hour and a half. We play an Overwatch while just answering all your questions in the chat room. Real reason I want to bring this up, though, is because the next Regretting the Past episode has been decided on, and it was voted on by my patrons, who pledge a certain amount every month. They decided to choose Saliva's Every Six Seconds. And I think that's worthy. I remember this album as being a product of the times back when it came out, if that makes sense. That's pretty hard to do, too, when you can tell, oh, man, this is just cash it in on something. Like, this was a trend at the time, but this is just another album thrown into that. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows Click Click Boom and, oh, what's the other one? See, Your Disease, you know? People have heard those songs. This album went platinum. Should it have? Because it got so much airplay through commercialism and just advertisements and things like that. I get why it went platinum out of curiosity, but as I'll go into more detail on regretting the past... Saliva's still around. They've had many changes. They have a different singer who's much better, by the way. Someone even pointed out to me that I reviewed a Saliva album like in the first year of album reviews that I was doing. And 
to be honest, I went back and listened to some of it. It's not bad. With the new singer, Bobby Amaru, Amaru, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. I, it's not bad. It's just kind of there. Looking back at it now, though. But saliva of the early 2000s and every six seconds, yeah, it's bad. It's terrible writing, terrible delivery from the vocalist Josie Scott, and a horrid production and recording and mixing. It sounds like they recorded it in a garage. So that's just kind of the quick cliff notes on what to expect. Some of the complaints are going to be for for regretting the past. And thanks to the patrons for choosing that one. At least I see this honestly. At least this is something I can talk about. At least this is an album that I haven't done before. It's not going through another band that I've already done Regretting the Past on. Definitely worthy as the album went platinum. And yeah, it's part of rock history for sure. The name Saliva is definitely ingrained in a lot of fans in that... It's technically post-grunge in that post-grunge genre, but also kind of verging a little bit into new metal because of how the vocalist delivers everything. Whatever it is, though, it's not great. So you can expect to see that this upcoming month, sometime in the next few weeks, hopefully. It will be out by August 31st, no matter what. In the meantime, thank you for listening. You can check this out on all different podcast forms, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spreaker. Please subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe to this YouTube channel for the podcast that rocked. I'm still trying to get to that thousand limit. So that way I can start getting all the features unlocked on YouTube. It's hard to get to 1,000, you know? I mean, the channel's still growing, but I'm trying to get there. So please tell your friends, have them click, have them hit subscribe, and we'll go from there. Let me know what topics you want me to cover on next week's. Let me know if there's a guest you want me to have on there this time, so that way I'm not flying solo again. Let me know what you think. And until then, here's hoping the rest of the month goes good for you, because the next few weeks I'll be listening to Saliva. So it's going to be a weird one for me. Thanks, everybody.